great to have you in the house. Thanks for joining us at our 11 a.m. service. It was so good to be with you here at the 9 a.m. service, and I get the joy of having my family along here with me, a couple of whom would rather be at Midtown, but hey, listen, you're here with me supporting Dad. Thanks so much for having a great attitude about that. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, listen, I do come here from, uh, from New Life Midtown. I send you greetings from your family in the center of the city, and uh, man, if there's any other place that I could be besides my home my home church, it's right here with you guys. I love New Life East. And every single time I've been able to be here to worship together with you and preach together with you, man, you guys have made me and my family feel so welcome. So I just want to say thank you so much for that. I also want to send you greetings from Pastor Andrew. This morning I was up early taking a walk around the block and I got back and I got this text from Pastor Andrew and he said, please, 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 Tell my family at New Life East that I love them, I'm thinking about them, and I'm praying for them. And I want you guys to know that while you're giving your pastor the gift of rest and renewal and restoration, he's at home and he's thinking about you. So when he gets back, I know that New Life East has some really, really great things in store for you guys. In fact, I was thinking about you earlier this week, and this morning, early in the hours of the morning, I felt like the Lord just dropped something in my heart that I want to share with you before we get into the word. How many of you have been here with New Life East from its inception? Can I just see your hands? I want to see all the faithful planters in the house. Man, I want to give you guys a hand today. And in fact, you guys are actually, you're breaking statistics because statistically, uh, those people who actually start off with a church plant and help a church launch uh, in any city around the nation, most of them end up not staying with that church. And to see that you're still rooted and that you're still planted and that you're still faithfully serving and leading and attending and participating and giving says a lot about who you are. And what I want to remind you of this morning is that New Life East as a church, as an entity, as a church plant, you are still in the foundational and formative for, formational season of your existence as a church. You are still, your footprint is still being set. And so I say that as a way of encouraging you. How many of you, when you guys were praying and dreaming and thinking and interceding and giving and thinking about this season of being a church in the eastern part of our city, how many of you remember those days and the energy that would fill the room? And as Pastor Andrew and Colin would get up and share vision, you guys just felt like you were going to burst and then COVID hit. And then the reality of waking up early and setting up chairs and tearing down after a move of the Spirit. And you're like, I'm not really sure if I dig this whole church planning gig anymore. And the temptation is to abandon or forget the things that God had spoken and promised to you. But I'm here as a way of reminder, friends, to remind you that the work that you're doing is good. To remind you that God has called you to this part of the city to remind you that you are a faithful presence in the eastern part of our city. And not only do you need each other, but what God is doing in the atmosphere, in the environment, and in the neighborhoods in the eastern part of the city, you are making a difference. So friends, do not grow weary in your well-doing. I want to come and I want to say, give more. I want to come and say, those of you who are serving, dip back into that well of the strength of God and let God re-galvanize and re-energize you with a fresh strength. I know like in the summertime, it's easy to downshift. It's easy to pull back, but this isn't the time to do that. 
This isn't the time to do that. This is the time to lean in. Because when you guys hit fall, there's going to be some really, really important things that happen here in this house. And it's going to catalyze you and catapult you into the next part of your journey. So friends, please be encouraged by that. Christy and I, we've been in this city for 19 years. And there was a good chunk of our time as lead pastors where we led a church where we had to do set up and tear down every Sunday. And listen, I empathize with that. But I just, I am believing with you that there is going to come a day when either A, there are going to be so many people that are helping that the load is going to be ridiculously light, or B, there is going to be a place where you have, where you don't have to set up and tear down any longer, or actually, probably the best option is just C, which is both of the above, right? So I'm agreeing with you, and I am for you, and my family and I, we are lending our strength in the place of prayer and agreement with you this morning. Amen? Well, if you have your Bibles, I have an assignment today to continue our series in the Psalms of the Ascent, the Ascent Psalms. And Pastor Roy did a magnificent job last week teeing this up from Psalm 120 and teaching us how we can partner with God in the use of our words. Today I want to talk with you about what I believe is one of the most, perhaps one of the most important skills that we can learn in the Christian faith, and that is learning how to call on the God of help, to draw on the help and to draw on the strength of God. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Psalms, and we're going to look at Psalm 121. Psalm 121. And I'm going to read this psalm and we're going to pray And then I'm just going to run as fast and as hard as I can for the next 25 minutes. And hopefully and prayerfully, God drops something in your heart that encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with him. Beginning in verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. What a beautiful psalm for those of us who live in Colorado Springs. How many of you guys are Colorado Springs natives? Let me see all of you people so I can be envious and jealous of you. You are. I didn't even think about that. My children are Colorado Springs natives. (laughs) That is like fresh revelation from heaven right now in this moment. See, guys, this is why I need you here for these kinds of aha moments. You guys are, it's worth it. Colorado Springs natives right there. My dad was in the military, so I grew up five different places by the time I was five years old, and I've been here now for 19 years, and God willing, I never will leave, right? I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Let's invite the presence and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to make the words of the Lord clear and plain. Father, we ask right now by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that you would illuminate the word to us. God, that you would open up our eyes, the eyes of our understanding, that you would open up our hearts that our hearts would be receptive right now. In fact, God, if there's anything inside of us that is resisting the truth of your word, that is resisting the ministry and the power of your presence, we ask, oh God, that you would melt our defenses. Father, we ask that you would deal with the mindsets and the paradigms in our head and in our mind, God, that are, that are in opposition to the truth of your word. 
Father, we pray that you would give us tender hearts and receptive hearts. And God, that you would encourage us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. I just discovered this between services, but when I was in college, I met three types of people that formed my life. And to be honest with you, I didn't realize how deeply they formed my life until about 20 minutes ago. The, pers- the first person that I met was the person who we're just going to call this person the busy person. As when I got to college, I was one of those overachievers, right? So I was taking 19, 18 and a half to 22 and a half credit hours, and I was involved in every single thing that ORU had to offer. I was a chaplain. I was a missions team leader. I was volunteering at my youth group. I mean, every, every wing event, I was all in. I paid a price for it, but I was, I was like, I'm going to do all of this. And then I would meet certain people around campus when you would ask them, hey, how's it going? And the answer was inevitably always, I'm so busy. And after a while, I was like, ugh, I just, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like you. (laughs) The second person that I met was not the I'm busy. It was the I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed. Sometimes not the same person. It was like these like these pet answers that people gave. And to me, it kind of became part of their identity. Like you would interact with people and every single time, no matter what was going on, and again, consistently, no matter if it was the beginning of the semester, if it was during finals, if it was dead week, if it was summer, hey, how's it going? I'm so overwhelmed. And I was like, I don't like that. I don't like you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love people, guys. Being a little dramatic right here. You can work with me. It's okay. We can laugh. We can enjoy this moment. The third person I met, and this one right here, and you can ask my family. They give me a really hard time with this. Chrissy knows what's coming. The third person that I met that that I really didn't like was the person who was always exhausted. Exhausted. Not tired. Like it wasn't enough to be tired. It wasn't enough to be fatigued. This person that I met, and by the way, as your offenses are rising right now, if this is you, just grace, just grace on you. The Lord loves you. I will grow to love you. Listen, the person that I met who was like, oh, I'm so exhausted. I was like, wow. That is like, I reserve that word for people with twins like my wife or people who run ultra marathons like Dean Carnassus or like, I don't know, like SWAT team members, SEAL team and single moms. Like, that's it. Like, you get to say I'm exhausted. Everybody else just go, I'm a little tired right now. It's a tired season. That's it, right? I don't know, pet peeves. But here's what I didn't realize. Those three people and the words that they used to identify themselves, those people shaped my life. They formed my life. And here's what they formed. It was really ugly, really bad. I grew into a person that so despised the, the identity of those words that I went the opposite direction. And I became the person that was never exhausted. I became the person that even if I was bone tired, I never told anybody about it and I never admitted it to myself. I became the person that so despised the idea of being overwhelmed that I was like, I got everything. And I became the person that despised the idea of being busy, that I overextended myself and made myself available to everyone. And again, this is kind of like a cathartic counseling session right now. I'm just discovering all of these things as I'm sharing them with you. (laughs) You know, to be human is to have limitations. And the psalmist is keying in and cueing in on that very idea when he opens up and he says, 
I lift my eyes. I take this moment of reprieve. I take this moment of pause. I take this moment of reflection. I stop in the middle of the frenetic pace of my life and the way that the culture tries to conform and squeeze me into its mold. And I just say, pause, time out. And I pull back. And I have this reflective moment where I actually lift up my eyes above everything that is happening in my life. And I lift my eyes up and I say, wait a minute, where does my help come from? And in that question, the psalmist is identifying the fact that he or she, in fact, needs help. There are two fundamental types of sin as it relates to the notion of help in our lives. The first one is this. It's the sin of self-sufficiency. It's the sin that says, I got this. You ever seen someone who's like carrying something heavy and you're all like, hey, can I help you? And what do you usually get as an answer? No, I got this. No, I'm good. I'm good. Like they're literally about to blow a blood vessel and they're like, no, I got this. No, I got this. Come on, you guys. Have you got, how many of you are that person? Let me just see you right now. You're like, no, I got this. And it doesn't matter what it is. You got this. The sin of self-sufficiency. I'm completely competent, I'm completely adequate, I'm completely able, and I don't need anybody to help me with anything. Mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, I got this. The other sin, the other fundamental sin of life is not just the sin of self-sufficiency or independence, it's the sin of idolatry. Let me break this down for you. In the garden, we find the birthplace of sin happens when the enemy comes to Adam and he comes to Eve and essentially offers them the temptation towards two fundamental sins in humanity's existence. The one is the sin of independence. Hey, listen, if you violate the command and the will of God, you can then be like God. In other words, you got this. You don't need God. You won't need anyone because you will be like God. The enemy tries that same tactic again when Jesus finds himself in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 40, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And by the way, don't let me forget this because I'm going to tie this back at the end of the message that even Jesus Christ himself, God in the flesh, relegated and lowered himself to the place where he needed help. Okay, we'll just, we'll just come back to that. So in the, in, in the desert, the enemy comes to Jesus and he says, if you really are the son of God, then take these stones and turn them into bread, which is essentially saying, be independent. Jesus, you got this. You don't need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't need the strength of angels ministering to you when you're hungry. You don't need God coming and bringing strength to you in the garden. You got this. You can fulfill God's redemptive plan all by yourself. Jesus responds the way that God wants all of us to respond, and that is to respond with the wisdom and the logic of the word. And Jesus says, it is written that mankind shall not live by bread alone. But we shall live in complete dependence on the sustenance and the source and the strength of God. And then the enemy realizes that he can't get Jesus to fall to the temptation of independence. So he tries the other one, which is the temptation of idolatry. So the enemy tries to either get us to depend completely on ourselves, or to worship false sources of strength. The enemy comes and he says, well, hey, listen, if you will bow down and you will worship me, then I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. And those right there, friends, are the two fundamental 
sources of sin and temptation that every single one of us face, that we either make ourselves God or we worship false gods, the sin of independence or the sin of idolatry. So the idea of being busy or exhausted or overwhelmed, this actually is a normal part of the human experience. And we find this in Psalm 69. Look with me, if you would, at verse 1. The psalmist David says, Save me, O God. Save me. For the waters have come up to my neck. I want you to listen to the imagery here. I want you to think about the last time in your life when you were overextended or overloaded or where you felt the word overwhelmed. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters and the floods engulf me. I'm worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. You ever felt like that? Like, gosh, why is everyone against me? I'm looking at my friend Glenn Smith here, and as pastors, we can really identify with that. It feels like in this age, like there really is no good footing and there's no good place to be as it relates to the issues of the culture. Now we came out of a season, whether the issues were vaccine or no vaccine, or where the issues were, do I support the police or do I support people of color? Like, what do I do? And it just seems like no matter what position we try to take, no matter what kingdom position we try to take, it just seems like everywhere we turn that we have enemies without cause. How many of you felt like that? Felt like just this feeling of no matter what I try to do, no matter what decision I make, I'm making the wrong one. And that in and of itself produces its own sense of being overwhelmed mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Those who hate me without reason, they outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. The psalmist here is giving immaculate language to the experience of being busy and tired and exhausted and overwhelmed. Part of this is a reality of the human experience. And what I want to do today is I want to talk from Psalm 121 and give you some really, really practical handholds and footholds for this experience of life when we find ourselves in over our heads. The first one very simply is this, acknowledge and accept that you will need help. It's real simple. Like today, if we can all walk out of this place and go, I'm not really sure I like this guy and I can't wait for Andrew to come back, but I'm walking out of here going, someday I'm gonna need help. I will have one. Ha, 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 ha. There we go. Woo, tough crowd today, Colin. Yeah, it's okay, it's okay. Hey, listen, acknowledge that at some point in your life, you're gonna need help. And learn actually to come to peace with that. Learn to come to the place where you say, Lord, not only am I going to acknowledge that I'm going to need help at some point, but to actually make the spiritual practice of asking for help something that you learn to master in your everyday relationship with God. Number two, learn how to stop and see your need. Learn how to stop. You know, part of the beauty of Sabbath is that God built into the weekly infrastructure of Israel's life a time where they could stop and pull back, catch their breath, be still before God, 
reflect on the week prior and go, how did we do here? Like, most of us find ourselves overwhelmed when we ignore the spiritual rhythm, whether that's daily or weekly or monthly or quarterly or annually, and each of those rhythms has their own set of objectives that we can partner with that help us participate with this process more intentionally and more deeply. But here's the thing. We need to develop rhythms of stopping. We need to learn how to be able to read our own gauges, how to read our own levels. In fact, right now, we have one of our vehicles, it's the family vehicle, and I got to bring it into the shop because our family vehicle does not read correctly the amount of gas that is in the vehicle. So it's a 2011 Sequoia, and it actually has, you know, things written on the screen where it'll tell you, like, you've got about, 12, you know, you got about uh, 20 miles of gas left until this is empty. So it'll say that, but then our little analog dial will read full. I'm like, well, which of these do I listen to? And then you're driving along, and the next day, they'll, they'll flip-flop. Like, the analog dial will say zero, and then the digital dial will say, you've got 250 miles left to go until you're on empty. And I'm like, this is really, really confusing right now. There's something about learning how to develop our dials, our gauges, our dashboards. So let me give you a couple examples from my own life. This is how I know when I'm running on empty. This is how I know when I need help. This is how I know when I'm bumping up against my own limitations and my, reserve, my reserves and my resources are empty. Number one, I notice it in my words. My words get sharp, they get edgy, they get critical, they get cynical. I complain more and I curse. <gasps> I do, and I'm not proud of that. But I find that the filter and the government over my mouth gets lower and it gets weaker when I bump up against my reserves and I'm not full of God. I, I joke in a way that's not healthy. I talk about other people in a way that's not life-giving and productive. My words betray the level of strength that I have in God. Number two, my attitudes. My attitudes, I'm more critical, right? I'm more judgmental. I'm more competitive. I'm more compa I, I compare more easily. Um, I pick things apart. Things aren't good enough. My attitude betrays my levels. How many of you guys are with me right now? My thoughts. I find that my thought life is more susceptible to engaging in the temptation of the enemy. And particularly what that looks like is I will find myself seething and reviewing things that are full of offense or that are full of pride or arrogance or selfishness. And a lot of times what my mind will do is convince me that I'm right and everyone else is wrong. Here's the next thing. I find that my body betrays me because I'm more tired. I'm more tired. When my levels are low, when I find that I'm not asking God for help, when I find that I'm trying to do everything by myself, I, I, get, I get more easily, oh, I hate to say this word, tired. I just get tired, right? Okay, I just get really, really tired. So we have to learn how to actually stop and pay attention. Here's what happens for, at least for me, if I'm not careful, is I'll let all these things happen and I won't catch them. I won't stop and go, wow, Jade, you've actually been really cynical lately. Wow, Jade, you know, Christy's gone over, you know, above and beyond to help you and you've not been grateful. All you've done was identify what wasn't good enough. You've not been over the top grateful and thankful and appreciative on the things that were good. You've got to be able to stop 
and read what's coming out of your life in order for you to know whether or not you're engaging with the strength and the help that God has made available to you. Here's the next thing. Take inventory. Take inventory. I have found years ago that one of the most helpful things to do when I found myself feeling tired and feeling overwhelmed is actually stopping and writing down all of my burdens and all of my cares and all of my fears and all of my worries. See, those things become invisible weights if we don't name them. They become invisible weights. And we find actually that the psalmist names these things in Psalm 121. Look at verse 3. Guys, I know, I'm so sorry. I'm going all over the place. I'm just totally going off script this service. Uh, Psalm 121, verse 3. Let's look at what the psalmist says. He says, he will not let your foot slip. So this is one of the concerns that the psalmist has. Like in that agrarian culture, and you know, they're, 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 they're walking up the mountain of the Lord, and it's not all these beautifully paved roads like we had. So that was a concern that the psalmist had. Very, very practically, am I going to roll my ankle? Am I going to sprain my ankle? Am I not going to be able to fulfill my responsibilities? For us, what this looks like very simply is the uncertainties of the challenges on the path of life. Every single one of us have these invisible uncertainties that if we don't name them and identify them and make them concrete, they become an invisible weight that weighs down our soul. Verse 5, Psalm 121, verse 5, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The Lord is your shade to protect you from the elements. Again, think about David. Think about him being out there. There's no trees around. There's, he's, he's underneath the powerful elements of the sun beating down on him. He's parched. He's hungry. He's tired. He's weary. He's thirsty. And then he has this revelation. No, the Lord has the ability to actually shade me from external elements. Every single one of us, whether we realize it or not, carry fears and weights and burdens about the external elements. Here's a beautiful little nuance here, is that back in the ancient world, there were many people, particularly pagans, that believed that if you sacrificed to the sun gods, you could appease the sun gods. So for them, it wasn't, it's the God who created the heavens and the earth. It's God who created the sun and the moon, and he's a good God, and he will cover you. They saw the elements as things that were controlled by demonic entities. And so for some of us in this room, some of us may have this notion that, man, the struggles that I'm facing, they come from otherworldly sources, principalities, authorities, rulers, and powers and here's the thing that I want to share with you today. If you have that sense, identify that. Name that. I feel like I'm in a spiritual battle right now. I feel like I'm coming up against something that is, this is just too coincidental. This can't just be the, the life of consequence. There's something that is otherworldly that is going on here. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? I think I'm running up and bumping up against spiritual Opposition. Here's the next thing that the psalmist says in Psalm 121, verse 6. He says, the Lord will also protect me from the moon by night. What in the world is that about? That the last time I checked, a nice, beautiful stroll uh, underneath the moonlight is not something that I need to be afraid of. Well, in the ancient world, the word lunar is connected with the word lunacy. Because there was this belief that Overexposure to the moon and the forces that controlled the moon would actually cause you to go crazy. 
And this is where we hear the word mental health. This is where we think about anxiety. This is where we think about depression. I said this to my wife yesterday. I was sitting at the table because I had found myself over the past couple of days not being able to locate where I'm at. I was like, something's off and I don't know why it's off. So two days prior, I came home. I came home from a wedding rehearsal. I walked in the door and then I was just on edge and I didn't know why I was on edge. And then it bothered me that I was on edge because before I walked in the door, I was fine. And then just in a moment, something was just so agitated in my soul. And then it just pulled me, guys. It pulled me into this downward spiral where mentally and emotionally, I just, I couldn't pull myself out of this pit. And I started getting really frustrated. Then I started getting really discouraged. And I was like, I probably just need a good night's sleep. Woke up early the next morning, which was yesterday, and it was just still there like like a 20-ton weight was just sitting on my chest. And I was saying, God, I need you to show me what is happening inside of me. And in a flash of a moment, the Lord showed me and said, son, you're tired. And he began to walk me through the past three-month season since, uh, since Midtown inherited this beautiful building, which has been incredible. But along with it, there have been so many uh, in- increased responsibilities that, you know, you can actually have something good come your way and even good things can produce a weight in your soul, right? This is great. I shouldn't be complaining about anything. We're, we're experiencing momentum. We're experiencing growth. We're, this is what we've always dreamed of. And yet in the middle of that, there can be a weight that comes on your soul. And some of it can just be the fact that you're just physically and mentally tired, not exhausted, but tired, <laughs> tired. And the Lord showed that to me. One of these days, you know what the Lord's going to do? He's going to say, son, you're exhausted. (laughs) The Lord said, son, you're tired. And then I thought about the past two weeks and the increased pastoral meetings and on and on and on it goes, right? And I just realized in that moment, I've got to make some adjustments so that I can participate with the strength and the rest that God has available for me. But it was in that conversation that I said to my wife yesterday, I said, can you imagine being in that state mentally where you're confused, you're depressed, and you can't locate it, you can't get out of it, and just staying in that place indefinitely. Like when you hear, Lord, protect me from, this, from the moon at night, I want you to hear mental health and depression. Verse 7, listen to what the psalmist says, the Lord will keep you from all harm. So not just the circumstantial things along the path of your life, not just the external spiritual demonic forces, not just the mental challenges, but now the psalmist is realizing, I got to name every type of harm, every type of fear that could be available. Beasts, you know, lions and bears, like these are real things. And the psalmist is taking inventory of all the things that he needs God to be his strength and his refuge for. Now, if we had a whiteboard right up here, I would take my dry erase marker and I would ask you right now and I would say, what are the things that are weights in your life? What are the things that are challenges? What are the anxieties that fill your heart and your emotions? And we would write things down. We'd probably start off and we would say, for some of us, our physical health. Anybody in this room ever had physical challenges? Maybe you had chronic pain. Maybe you had something going on inside of you and you didn't know what it was. And just the inability to know for certain what it is that you're wrestling with produces high amounts of anxiety. For some of you, it's finances. I would bet to say that for a lot of us in this economy, it's finances. 
For some of us, it's the uncertainty of our future, our job. For others of us, it's our relationships, our children, our spouses, our spouses-to-be, our parents, our aging parents. I want to encourage you, friends, write down in your journal or on your phone or whatever venue that you do this with, write down, take inventory of the things that concern you. Name them. And then learn very practically to go through each and every one of those things and say, Lord, I cast these cares onto you. These things belong to you. Come and bring your strength. Come and bring your provision. Come and bring your peace. Come and let your kingdom break in and over and upon and around and through every single thing that concerns my life. We need to learn to take inventory of the weights and the cares of our soul. And here's the last thing, and it's actually the thing that the psalmist starts with. We need to learn how to stop. We need to learn how to acknowledge and accept the fact that we need help. We need to take inventory of the weights and the burdens of our soul. But on a regular basis, church, I want to encourage you to learn the discipline of lifting up your eyes and calling out for help. This is how the psalmist starts this. He says, I lift my eyes up. I lift up my eyes. Where do I lift my eyes up? I lift my eyes up to the mountains. And he asks himself this question, where does my help come from? Where am I drawing strength from? Where am I drawing emotional strength from? Where am I drawing physical rest from? By the way, I learned this many years ago that sitting back and vegging and binging on a show or playing video games, that's not rest. That's not rest. It might be escape. It's a really poor use of time, but it's not rest. All right? Simply because you're sitting down and you're fixating on something and you're not exerting a lot of energy doesn't mean you're resting. Rest comes from God. Remember Jesus said this? He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest is something you receive from God. But you can only receive it if you stop and get yourself still enough, externally, physically, internally, emotionally, mentally, and and spiritually, and say, God, I receive your rest. Yesterday when I realized that I was at that place of being a little physically and emotionally tired, I just laid in my bed and I, I this is really funny, I, I have this playlist where it has like running water. And when I put that on, it reminds me of Psalm 23, when the psalmist says, you will lead me beside the still waters. And so I put on this playlist, a gentle babbling brook is what I write down, right? And Spotify pulls up all of these nature sounds. And I sit there and I imagine the Lord as my shepherd leading me to a still water, right? Causing me to lie down in green pastures and then restoring my soul. And friends, he will do that for you. He will heal you. He will strengthen you. He will set your mind at peace. He will quiet the anxieties. He will release to you wisdom for every problem and every situation you're facing. He will reinforce you. He will bolster you. And he will be your very present help in the time of trouble. Friends, would you stand with me this morning as we approach the table of the Lord? I want to pray over you this morning. And I'm going to pray over you out of Isaiah chapter 40. In fact, you can look here with me, if you would, at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. I'm just going to pray this. I'm going to release this over your life. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. 
Do you not, do you not know? Have you not heard? Friends, the Lord is the everlasting God. The Lord is the creator of the ends of the earth. And while we may grow tired or weary, I declare over you today that God will not grow tired or weary. His understanding is limitless and no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. If that's you, I just want you to say, Lord, I receive your strength. Lord, we just acknowledge today that we're weary that we're tired and busy and exhausted and overwhelmed. And Father, today we look to you for strength. Even the young man and the young woman, they stumble and they fall. But those who find their hope, who find their strength, who find their rest in the Lord, they will renew their strength. Would you just say this with me? Say, Lord, renew my strength. I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you. Would you renew my strength? New Life East, I declare over you that you will soar on wings like eagles, that you will run and that you will not grow weary and that you will walk and that you will not faint. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Can we give Pastor Jade a hand? Pastor Jade, thank you so much. There's no better picture.